0: Good morning. Uh, Welcome to New Church
1: Live. My name is Angela Cooper, and I work here uh, behind the scenes helping everyone plug into the New Church Live community. And today is a special day. It's not every day that I get to pull something over on Pastor Chuck. So um, we're very lucky today to be joined by uh, the Reverend Peter Buss. He is going to be giving uh, Pastor Chuck a
0: recognition of 25 years of service to the larger church institution. So I just want to welcome uh, Peter to the stage and yes. Thank you, you, Angela, and welcome to everybody. Thank you for inviting me into this space and uh, Chuck, I'm going to be able to greet you in person in just a little bit. So I want to just take the opportunity in my capacity to share a 25-year milestone, congratulations and warm wishes with Chuck. But let me give a little bit of context for that so we're all on the same page about why I'm here. So my name is Peter Buss, and I'm the executive director, executive bishop of the General Church of the New Jerusalem. And if you just focus on the word new, there's a link to all the organizations that Chuck is being honored for serving, including New Church Live. So it starts with newchurch.org, which is the organization, the website for our international church, the way we serve the world over. There's the Academy of the New Church, there's a Bernatha New Church, there's the Ivyland New Church, and there is New Church Live. We're all a part of the same religious family that's trying to share a message about the Bible and true Christianity based on the teachings given through Emanuel Swedenborg. So, Chuck's career, just a very brief outline. He started teaching up in Levi at Lehigh University and was recruited to the Academy of the New Church in 1996 to be a housemaster, to be a teacher of American history and world cultures, and he did some leadership training, all that kind of stuff. Somewhere along the line, he felt this desire to serve through a priestly role and enrolled in our theological seminary and eventually hats off to people who can do the graduate school and full-time life, but eventually it was led to being ordained in 2006. Continued working at the Academy of the New Church for another three years before he became pastor of New Church Live, where he has been ever since. So that's the basic architecture of 25 years of service at the Academy of the New Church in here. But let's talk a little bit about Chuck. Most of us know him as an incredibly friendly and upbeat guy who loves to serve and loves to connect. So if you could just step back with me into that drive that takes a person to reach out and have these amazing impacts in the Lord's good providence with so many people, it's because there's a desire of heart and will to connect and to serve. And that's what leads Chuck to say, well, maybe we should start something like a tools for life for young people. Maybe we should have this idea of Uh, going to a chapel in the college to be able to connect more. Maybe at New Church Live, if we invite a bunch of speakers of some renown, we'll be able to have greater impact. Maybe if we decide to team up on some things that are very important, like finding hope or getting involved in the hard stuff of abuse prevention and support, maybe we'll be able to serve. Maybe if I do some weddings... And then some baptisms from those families that flow from them will be able to connect more. And maybe through New Church Live, we'll keep on serving and keep on trying to make an impact in our surrounding community down in Philadelphia. And think about the ways that that puts one human being's energy with a collection of other people out there to be able to connect and the flow back of love that comes from all those people who feel that sense of connection and respond. So at 25 years of service, one of the things that I would like to do is just sort of think about the amazing number of people that Chuck has been able to connect with, who count him as a friend, who's got their back, who knows about their life and is with them on the journey of life to better things. And we can honor him for all those connections and impact, and we can give the glory to the Lord. And then at this 25-year mark, we can think that the journey's not done and think about the many people that he will serve in the years to come in the Lord's good providence. And for my part, I just want to be one of those people that honors him for all of that work and say that it's a privilege to call him a colleague and a friend. Chuck, thank you for all that you do. I'd love to come bring you out here and present most welcome there's a letter that we'll probably try to post online and there's a a logo that's for the new church it's a pin a lapel pin of an open word logo that's a symbol of our church small amount of gratitude thank you thank you
1: thank you and and yeah this is beautiful and first off like I'm already plotting revenge Angela just so (laughs) you know and uh yeah Pete just it's really been a pleasure you know and uh like uh I, I was talking to someone about how hard it is, like the older you get not to cry. And, and, it's, and it's, it's simply because it all gets so precious, you know? From all the little things and, and watching this amazing congregation and getting pictures of them serving and, and the things that they do, um, it's just incredible and it's the honor of my life, you know? So thank you and thank you folks very much. I appreciate it. Okay, my friend. Okay. Thank Yeah, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, a quote I just love is the idea that, and I've said it in here before, you know, our job is to write the truest sentence we know. And, And the truest sentence I know is that life is good, God is good. And we just keep on trying to make a difference as best we can. And it's always in these, these little steps. And uh, you can't do it without other people. And, and so for anything that comes my way, like it really is a double reflection back on this congregation. And I love the idea that, that, you know, that phrase, right? We do it for the glory of God. And you know, I like word geeky stuff. And the word glory could be defined celebration. <laughs> you know, we do it so God can celebrate can celebrate humanity, can celebrate the kinship we all share, and just uh, celebrate the beauty of life. So with that, Marcus, we're going to skip ahead and go right into the first song So I have a minute to, like, (laughs) take take a little breath and just uh, thank you folks for being here. Thank you for everything you are in my life. Thank you for how supportive you've been of my family and, uh, you know, especially thank you for how supportive you've been of each other, you know, that makes a difference we are here as a church to make a difference that simple to plant trees under which we may never sit but to enjoy the process all along the way and i could not ask for better people to do this journey with so whether you're watching us online or in person from the bottom of my heart thank you thank you
0: Chuck. <laughs>
1: Seems like a great song after, after that. And, and again, thank you folks so much. You know, I really, really deeply, deeply appreciate it. And it's fun just even getting some text messages backstage and rising as congregation, you know, just how it started here. And you know, I'm hearing from Aaron and Zoe in Phoenix, Arizona, like how fun is that? Almost unimaginable that we'd be in that place 12 years ago. So, so today what we're gonna start is, we're gonna start this, this series and, and it's called Life on Life's Terms. And, and I was talking to a dear friend of mine, a, a pastor, and, and he said, yeah, you know, life on life's terms. Like, how do we do that? Because life always has its challenges. And, and, and thinking about it from this perspective, right? Everything in our lives is finite. Like everything in, our, in your life right now will end at some point in time including your most cherished opinions, by the way. You know, it eventually all goes. But creation, life, and our lives in the next life, they go on. They continue moving. So how is it that we hold these, these two juxtapositions? How do we hold the two? The idea, the idea that life is finite and creation is infinite. And that's what this series is all about. How do we we pull those things together? Because it it struck me as I was putting this together, you know, it just, as sometimes happened, had been a week with like a large number of really hard things for people. And you don't want to get so stuck in that you forget at the same time that there's many beautiful things happening at the same time, a, a beautiful world. Daughter getting married, new kids arriving on the planet, people having breakthroughs in terms of how they see the world and their connection with the Lord, all that stuff is true. And how do we hold it all? Now, the series, I was thinking, what's the narrative I want to use for the series? And, And what I want to do is I want to look at it this way. Life will be what it will be. Too often we grasp at faith, and this is key here, thinking to escape life as it is instead of using faith to engage life as it is. And that's so much like like the way um, new church stuff works, like it's about engaging life in its wholeness. If we can faithfully engage life in all its joys, frustrations, and mystery, life on life's terms, we will discover a deep truth. That truth, that God comes to us disguised as our life. That idea brings presence, that idea brings peace, that idea quite literally brings faith home. So no matter where you're joining us or or how your life is right now, there's power in knowing that God is holding the whole thing. Holding the whole thing. Laughing with us, crying with us, smiling with us, celebrating with us, grieving with us. All those things are part of life because they're part of God. Now, to look at that, we're going to go through a three-part series here. Today, we're going to look at a little taste of heaven. Then we're going to look next week at filled with challenges and the week after moving forward. So I want to talk here, folks, first off about like, if if we're going to understand like a taste of heaven, like here's life and I've got to meet life on life's terms. It's important for us to go upstream a little bit and say, okay, so, so what's a basic paradigm for understanding that? And I think a lot of the time, and I'm going to step over here for this, a lot of the time we, we sort of can see life and we see our role, as this picture shows, you know, like like an attorney, that we're going to make an argument for our life, about our life. I know for me, many a morning I spend in in my with my attorney suit on trying to prove something to someone else. But it's just in my head. It's not actually real. It's just going through trying to make my case. And I try to find other people who allow me to make my case to them. And it's always about this. This is where our egos like subtly get us, right? One of the beautiful parts, one of the beautiful concepts of new church Christianity is that we can change. And ready for this? It's not dependent on you changing anyone else. Like, what a beautiful idea that is, that we can work on change, we can work on creating better communities. And my job is not to go out there and change everyone else. It's to do my work and to find communities that continue to move that work out there into the world in ways that bring life and bring breath and bring love and bring order and bring joy, bring all those things. Now, as we, look, as we look at that paradigm, it's interesting to see that paradigm and to see how it works there in the world. And, and it's interesting to see how the word judge is used. Here's a statistic for you. I did, a, I did a quick little Bible study, and you can do this online pretty easily, so it's not as grandiose as it sounds. The word judge in the Old Testament is used 191 times. The Old Testament was the part of the Bible that was written before the birth of the Lord, before the birth of Jesus. And then when you count up all the times the word judge is used from the birth of Jesus on in the Gospels, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's used 22 times. So we see kind of a shift. And I want to start out by saying that 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 doesn't mean that as we're trying to meet life on life's terms that we're asked to sort of park our judgment to the side. No, we're supposed to use our judgment. But judgment is the bridge that gets us somewhere. We can't lose track of where we're going. We can't lose track of that bigger picture. Look at this beautiful set of of teachings here. These are from Matthew. I just pulled some from how the word judge is used in the Gospel of Matthew. Settle, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. It's that idea of settle it quickly. And probably the most famous one, Matthew 7, verse one, do not judge or you too will be judged. And it goes on, Matthew 7, 2, for the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. So, so we, see, we see this shift in a paradigm. You know, the, the Old Testament was very based on judgment. And, and when you look at it, that's probably the way our life you know, goes, right? We, we spend that first half of life, and that half could be to our 20s, it could be to our 40s, it could be to our 80s. It's not a chronological thing. But that first half where we really are thinking about judgment, and the fact is that might be a really good thing. That might be a really good thing. And then there comes a time where we have to soften and it has to shift. I was, I was meeting with a couple folks, beautiful couple, and I was asking them what they had found to love about each other, and, and she said, you know, we both found, listen to this line, a soft place to land. That's good. That's good. A soft place to land. And and that's where that judgment piece starts to shift. And now we go to paradigm part two. And paradigm part two is Jesus, and and those of you who've been at New Church Live for a while know that I love this. I think it's way fun. You know, in in Jesus' actual teachings, he uses the paradigm of the wedding, and this goes through all of the New Testament, 12 times uses a courtroom once. I think there's a key message there. And I love the idea of weddings and celebrations and how beautiful that is. And, and we see, we see again the idea that 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 whole idea of, of, of the focus being on just judging that's giving way to the idea of a wedding. Now, for our studio audience and for those of you here at home, are weddings seamlessly perfect with no drama at all? Yes or no? No, no, I tell you, any family dysfunction is going to go from this to this at the wedding. You can count on it. And, and so it's not, I don't, think, I don't think Jesus is using this analogy saying like, hey, it'll all be like a wedding. It's just a party. I think, no, he's saying, hey, it will be a wedding. <laughs> you know, with good stuff, bad stuff, Uncle Phil having too much to drink, somebody arguing about pictures, all that stuff's going to be there. I think that is so much the way that life works because that 12 to 1 ratio, right? And we know that sometimes wedding pictures look like this. Sometimes they just look different. And that's all okay, right? I think that is that is part of life. And maybe, folks, as they come out for the middle song here, maybe that's showing us a piece of heaven, right? Maybe that's showing us a piece of heaven. Not heaven is this perfect thing up there and out there. But again, think about it as the musicians come out here. But heaven as this, this beautiful admixture, this beautiful time where all the threads of life, blessed, broken, shared, where it all somehow weaves and comes together in this beautiful tapestry, in this beautiful celebration. And when we come back, I'm going to share some real specific parts around what maybe it looks like to bring those little pieces of heaven onto, into your life as a way of dealing with life on life's terms. All right, what, a, what a beautiful song. And, and, you know, thinking about those, those little pieces of heaven, right? And, it's, and how do we meet life on life's terms? Like, like here is life on life's terms. And, and it's easy to, to dive into the challenges right away. And, and there is something to that. And we're going we're gonna to be looking at some of those challenges next week. And Carl's going to be joining, joining us and, and doing most of the service. And we're going to talk together about, like, yeah, what are those challenges? And I think it's real important to start by thinking, yeah, and there's little pieces of heaven. And there's little pieces of heaven. And how do we experience those? You know, how do we see those in our lives? And, and how, do we, how do we try to um, just get some grounding there? Get some manna there, for those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament. Get some bread. Get, get, get something that's enough to get us through The day. Because the darkness can overwhelm. Old adage, so true. Darkness can overwhelm. And darkness is no thing. Darkness is merely the absence of light. Any amount of light begins to extinguish darkness. No amount of darkness ever extinguishes the light. It's so important. Light, again, the first thing God blessed, the first thing he created. So it was interesting. For those of you who were at, at church over the summer, and I realized a lot of you, you know, were watching down at the shore or the mountains or wherever you were watching from, You know, it was a very um, sweet moment a number of weeks ago, probably about a month ago now. And I was talking about this, this wedding service that I had done for, for Mike and Steph. And I'd done this wedding service and I really had worked hard on it because this is a family I'm very close to. I love their whole family. And, and I do the wedding service and I, you know, again, as I mentioned, not since Moses came down off the mountain has there been a sermon like that. And then, uh, and then, mm, sermon ends. And the sound guy says, Chuck, you forgot to turn on your mic. So very humbled. And I realized that, you know, only about 10 rows of the people had heard the wedding. You know, and it was indeed a a beautiful, beautiful wedding. And then one of our, our dear parishioners from out in Michigan sent this particular text message where she said, Chuck, could you get permission from the couple to incorporate your wedding charge into a new church live service? So I thought, oh, that would be fun. And I'd love to share that with you today. I'd love to share that with you as a way to talk about these little pieces of heaven. And the context is this, folks. Like, I know anytime that a baptism, a wedding, a blessing on a house, like any of those beautiful things we get to be part of as pastors, anytime we do those things, we do it knowing that life is going to be hard, that there'll be struggles. And that doesn't make those events less important. It makes them even more important. Because it's a time where we can maybe capture, capture a little piece of heaven. Just something we can put in our back pocket that we can hold on to in our lives when times are tough. A little piece of light we can pull out in a dark room and just let it shine. And just let it shine. So with your permission, I would like to share Mike and Steph's wedding charge. All right. So I'm going to be stepping to do it here. And I imagine me in a suit. There you go. A little bit of heaven. Mike and Steph, I want to welcome you to your wedding day. I find it so powerful that Jesus, when he talked about heaven, he uses a wedding banquet as an example. And I turn around and show them people there. This This is what heaven, this is what Jesus said heaven is like. Something about this wedding here today tells us about that heaven there. And that heaven there tells us about this wedding here. So what does it tell us? How do we find those little pieces of heaven? Well, the first is heaven is about connection. That beautiful line from the New Testament, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. People. That is where we find heaven. In that connection. The web that brought you here today. And that beautiful line from Mother Teresa that deserves repeated over and over again, that we will have peace when we remember this connection, when we remember that we belong to each other. And we do that oftentimes. And again, Steph uh, is Italian, and she talked a lot about food and food at weddings being a big deal. So I talked about manja, the idea of eat, the idea of connect. Now that heaven is about connection. We even see that in the events, in your lives, Abington, to Ritchie Street and Maniunk, to Ryan's Pub, to Nishamini Brewing, to here, the two of you, Steph, saying you fell in love with the fact that he was a gentleman, kind, funny, and that around him you felt important and safe. Mike, you fell in love with her honesty, her beauty, her authenticity, her determination. And through that all, we find that connection. And what do we call that connection? We call it love. A little piece of heaven. The second thing about a little bit of heaven is heaven is about one-way commitments. Heaven is about one-way commitments. No more 50-50, things done 100-100. Again, the beautiful line that your heart of stone will be turned into a heart of flesh. What you promise to do for your beloved now is far more important than what you demand from your beloved. And we all have these two hearts. We have a heart of stone. And in the heart of stone, the primary concern is that you be right. Brings up the old adage, you can be right or you can be married. More important to be right. Excuse me, married. That heart of stone is interested in making sure it tells our partner when they're wrong and keeping a list, checking it twice. And in that heart of stone is very interested in contractual love. The if-then. And this is so important. We always have that choice. Heart of stone, transactional love. And that's where most of us, including me, live most of our lives. We experience a little bit of heaven when we shift from transactional love to the love that transforms. Two very different things. (laughs) Flesh, the heart of flesh. That's where love becomes deeply transformative. That love is, is a love that's based on gratitude, forgiveness and curiosity. It's very interested, not in contract, but in covenant. That's why marriage is a covenant. It's all about transformative love. It is about this movement away from saying, I will love you if you change, to just, I love you, so that you can have the safety to change in the way God gives you to see it. It's interesting, all these years with couples and doing weddings, and and many times they do their own vows, No couple has ever come to a wedding ceremony with their vows written out with a bunch of if-then statements. They just don't. Because they know. They know that's not love. That's not a little piece of heaven. That's the lawyer in their mind. They come instead with just simple offerings. Vows of what they will do not demands of what they expect in return. What a powerful place that is. I find it very simple, and I talk about it in almost every wedding I do, you know, these three things of gratitude, forgiveness, and curiosity. Gratitude, imagine waking up every morning, understanding, like, the the gratitude of life. There's so much for us to be grateful for. And it oftentimes isn't the big stuff. Marriages are built on these small pieces of gratitude that I think largely go unnoticed. As unnoticed as a cup of coffee. As unnoticed as sitting with your beloved just to look at the flowers in your beautiful backyard. A gratitude as simple as a walk on the beach with your best friend. So much to be grateful for. And the second, forgiveness. I say this often because it's so important. It's so important we all practice it here. That idea of forgiveness. The forgiveness moves through three phases. There's that initial forgiveness. Somebody does something wrong and we learn to forgive them. And that's a good thing, but but there's a challenge to it, too. There's a little bit of royalty there, too. That I have decided to forgive you. Now, again, forgiveness is good. That kind of forgiveness is good. But we need to be aware that our ego can get to be part and, and can so wrap itself around that idea of forgiveness where we're always in the right and they're always in the wrong. That's not the kind of forgiveness that builds marriage. That's why we need to keep moving. Starts with forgiveness. Then it goes to forgiving. Forgiving each other the benefit of the doubt. Forgiving each other an ear. Forgiving each other this softness. Folks, we talked about a gentle place to land, a soft place to land. Crazy to say, that's forgiveness. That is where we understand what it means to be forgiving. And then the third part comes to pure acceptance, where we really just learn to accept our partner as they are. Here's the thing, Mike and Steph, those things that drive you crazy about each other, The good news is you're wonderful people. The bad news is they're still going to drive you crazy in 25 years. Those things won't change that much. But your love sure will. And our wish for you is that you have a love that can embrace all that. I remember a funeral I did for a couple that had been married over 60 years. They had a beautiful marriage, a marriage that that we should all aspire to. And and, and I was talking to the the woman after her husband had passed, and with tears in her eyes, she was talking about what she missed, and she said, Chuck, he was the most stubborn man I ever knew. (sighs) That's forgiveness at its greatest. She even missed those parts of his personality that no doubt he had wrestled with through their 60 years of marriage. Thomas Merton. The nature of love is to give as well as receive. It both gives and receives, but it gives first and receives second. Therefore, if love demands, first of all, to receive a good from its object before beginning to love, then it can never begin to love. If I demand first to be reassured, I will never dare to love. That one-way commitment is that dare to love, that understanding of let it begin with me. And the third one, heaven is about the ultimate reality, which is joyous love. As is said in Isaiah and repeated by Jesus, if we get it, and we don't often, but if we do, we will see With your eyes, hear with your ears, and understand with your heart. I think if we start to see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and understand with our heart, we have to be aware lest the cynic in us die. And we start to find a brand new bottom line. The brand new bottom line shifts a question, and it shifts the question of, do I feel loved, to the question, am I being loving? That's a big shift. We see it in the wedding rings where you're offering a ring to each other. That shift away from, from, do I feel in love because some days you will and some days you won't, to am I being loving? Which is a choice of freedom that God gives you every single day. And it works out into these beautiful concentric circles. I love the idea, in our denomination, we talk about love, wisdom, and use. Love, wisdom, and service coming together, and that really being the key for marriage. Mike and Steph, like, that's what it is. It's about what are you going to do with this relationship? A story for you is of a story from a couple connected with our congregation who years ago, when Hurricane Sandy hit New Jersey... And we got involved in a number of different things up there, including a pop-up store. And then it drew towards Christmas. I got one of the most beautiful phone calls I think I ever got from a couple. And this is what they said. They said, Chuck, we took a vote as a family. We're going without Christmas gifts this year. We would like you to find a family up in New Jersey who lost everything. And we want to do Christmas for them. So we put it all together, gifts, cards, and gifts, and everything. And I got to travel up. I've always wanted to be Santa Claus. And I got, I got to travel up there and give them these things, give them these gifts. And, and they're, look. Look at this family. There's a little bit of heaven. And we don't know where that goes. But I know both families were better off for it. Figuring out how to be loving. Figuring out what they can do out there into the world. To close, I offer this warning with a smile. Good enough is the enemy of the great. And my wish for you is not just that you have a good marriage, but that you have a great marriage. That marriage oftentimes, a great marriage oftentimes, takes maybe less than 20 minutes a day, I think. But it's, it's a beautiful dance of connection and commitments and love that has these little bits of heaven printed all over them. And it's why we say in my denomination as we talk about this beautiful eternity of love, what we call conjugal love, the marriage is simply this. Marriage is two angels walking each other home. Of course, you will have storms. You have lived through COVID. And please remember, as these storms come, as these storms come and we meet life on, life's terms. To remember just a few simple things. First, no book is good until it's a problem. (laughs) Any story worth reading has challenges. I think about how fondly you folks talked about your kitchen. I love being able to go over and have dinner with you, and and you weren't talking about the finished kitchen, you were talking about the hot plate and the microwave that you lived with for months as you redid the kitchen of your home. And here's the amazing part, 25 years from now, the hot plate and the microphone will continue to be the most beautiful, glorious kitchen you ever had. Life on life's terms. And through those problems, you will find each other more and more. And you will find God. And you will find other people. And what do we call that? Heaven. Amen. So friends, that was Mike and Steph's wedding charge. And it's what I wished for them... On that day, and, and, and my hope is that, that again, that, that they understand this and we all understand this, that of course we march into life and of course it will have challenges and of course it will have hard parts. But that we can go back to this and we can find our little pieces of heaven. Because that's where it starts. And yeah, it may only be a tiny little candle, may only be a tiny, we may only be able to hold on to a tiny piece of light. But remember, with God, that's enough. That's enough. So, life on life's terms, no matter where you are in the struggle of life, may you find this, friends, a little bit of heaven. Amen. To close the service now, I'm going to offer a prayer, followed by the Our Father prayer, followed by a little blessing. And then after that, our musicians will share with us a beautiful song. I do want to reiterate a couple of offerings for you folks. One is that, again, feel free to join us. And again, if you're online and you're watching locally and you want to join us for lunch, you're more than welcome to. And the second part is that we have an online small group, Life on Life's Terms. If you find that you're struggling, and this theme is somehow landing on your heart, please join us. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. online, and you can text me or text Angela, and we'll get you all the links you need to do that. So please now join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Lord, help us to find Life on Life's Terms. Help us to live into Life on Life's Terms being able to hold life in an unvarnished way, not needing to make it all good and certainly not needing to make it all bad, but being able to hold the life that we have in front of us, knowing that that is the life you are with us in. A divine providence, a gentle river, that despite appearances of the day, is always calling us home. Thank you for your presence among us today. Thank you for this amazing congregation. Thank you for those joining us in person and online. Help us to connect more. Help us to be closer to each other and closer to you as we move forward, life on life's terms. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever, all men. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you, my friends, home. Amen.